Brother John entered the monastery of silence, and the abbot said to him, Brother, this is a silent monastery. You are welcome here as long as you like, but you may not speak until I direct you to do so. Brother John lived in the monastery for five years before the abbot said to him, Brother John, you have been here five years now. You may speak two words. <laughs> so Brother John said, Harbed. Hmm. I'm sorry to hear that, the abbot said. We will get you a better bed. Another five years passed by. Brother John was called by the abbot. And he said, You may say another two words, Brother John. So Brother John said, Cold food. <laughs> Just like weird food, I would say here. <laughs> Uh, and the abbot assured him that the food would be better in the future. On his 15th anniversary at the monastery, the abbot again called Brother John into his office. Two words you might say today. Brother John said, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> so the abbot said, it probably be the best, because you've done nothing but complaining ever since <laughs> you come here. <laughs> Complain too much, huh? <laughs> Complain too much. A man, again, huh, went to the doctor and say, Doctor, I keep thinking that I'm a moth. Doctor says, You have come to the wrong place. A vet is what you need. <laughs> the man says, That's where I was going, but I saw your light on. <laughs> <laughs> A moth, you know? <laughs> I love the light. Huh? Light travels faster than sound. This is why some people appear bright until you hear them speak. <laughs> <laughs> you better close your mouth, eh? <laughs> ah, <laughs> that's cute. <laughs> okay. A farmer got pulled over for speeding. The police started to lecture the farmer about his speed, trying to make the farmer uncomfortable. Finally, the police got around to writing out a ticket. And as he was doing that, he kept swatting at some flies that were buzzing around his head. The farmer said, Having some problems with circle flies there, are you? <laughs> the police stopped writing the ticket and said, Well, yeah. If that's what they are, I never heard of circle flies before. So the farmer says, Well, circle flies are common on farms. Circle flies because they are almost always found circling around the back end of a horse. <laughs> the police said, Oh, and gave him the ticket. 
When he was about to leave, he turned back to the farmer and says, "Hey, wait a minute! Are you trying to call me a horseback end?" The farmer says, "Oh no, officer! No, no! I have too much respect for the law." That's a good thing," the police said, and head to his car. A minute later, getting into a muddy road, the farmer turned and said to the cop, "You know the police, but officer, it's hard to fool them flies, though." <laughs> <laughs> What do you get when you cross a parrot with a centipede? A walkie-talkie. <laughs> A lot of feet and a lot of talk. <laughs> Walkie talkie. That's cool. Uh, good combination zero two. What does that mean? What do you get when you cross a Rottweiler with a Saint Bernard? Answer: A dog that guard the house, attack the thief, and go later to look for help for the poor robber. <laughs> a Saint Bernardo. <laughs> He chases him out, but then he go and help him. <laughs> a drunk walks into a bar and say to the bartender, "Hey, bartender, buy everyone in the house a drink. Pour yourself one and give me the bill." So the bartender does just that and hands the man a bill for fifty-seven dollars. The drunk says, "I haven't got it." The bartender slapped the guy around a few times, then threw him out into the street. The very next day, the same drunk walks into the bar and once again says, with a drunken slur, "Bartender, buy everyone in the house a drink. Pour yourself one and give me the bill." The bartender looks at the guy and figures to himself that he can't possibly be stupid enough to pull the same trick, trick, <laughs> twice. So he gives him the benefit of the doubt. Pour a round of drink for the house. Has a drink himself and hands a drink bill of sixty dollars. The drunk says, "I haven't got it." The bartender can't believe it. He picks the guy up, beat him, and throw him out in the street again. Now, the next day, the same drunk. <laughs> Walks back into the same bar and says again, of course with a drunken slur, "Bartender, blah blah blah, give me the bill." <laughs> Disgusted, the bartender says, "What? No drink for me this time?" The drunk reply replies, "You? No way. You get too violent when you drink." <laughs> I have beat him up now. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> a blonde calls an airline and asks, "Can you tell me how long it takes to fly from San Francisco to New York City?" The agent replies, "Just a minute." And the blonde says, "Thank you," and hang up. <laughs> <laughs> Four men uh, were bragging about how how smart their dogs are. One man was an engineer. The second man was an accountant. The third man was a chemist, 
and the fourth what was a government worker. To show off, the engineer called to his dog, T-square, do your stuff. And T-square trotted over to a desk, took out some paper and pen, and promptly drew a circle, a square and a triangle. Everyone agreed that was pretty smart. And the accountant said that his dog could do better than that. He called to his dog and said, Spreadsheet, do your stuff. <laughs> Spreadsheet went out <laughs> into the kitchen and returned with a dozen of cookies. He divided them into four equal piles. Yeah, one, two, three, four. Uh, with three cookies each. Everyone thought that was marvelous. The chemist said that his dog could do better still. He called to his dog and said, Measure, do your stuff. <laughs> oh, what an original name, eh? <laughs> and I thought I have my dogs are pretty original already. <laughs> yeah, like cookie, chocolate, <laughs> chip ahoy. <laughs> because the hermit, he, he has, you know, a uh, uh, chocolate uh, spot all over his body, so I call him Chip Ahoy. Yeah. And a lady is a uh, brownie, you know? I call him brownie cookies or chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that was very uh, original already. And Lucky always hanging his tongue out, so I call him Tongi. <laughs> or Tonga, you know? <laughs> And shadow hunter, you know, goody. You just need a flashlight. <laughs> and you're his friend forever. <laughs> he'll keep you, you'll keep him busy all day long with just a flashlight. Just flash around at random, yeah? Well, if you don't have a flashlight, you stand in the sunlight or in front of the light and, and do your trick, you know, like <laughs> make a, a rabbit or something, or a duck. Oh, he also will love you. Mm. Sometimes he goes and begs for shadows. He come and kiss you all over and then head, head out for the, the shadow spot. <laughs> Looking at you, say, Hey man, you got the kiss? Now do your stuff. <laughs> when he's desperate, he'll do that. Otherwise, he amuse himself by waiting for the shadow, you know? Because the, the leaves from the tree, yeah, or the the... The door or window sometimes open a little bit, and there's a shadow, the reflection from the sun or the light will, will keep flashing on the floor, and he plays with that all day. <laughs> he doesn't bother you unless he don't have any for a long time. So desperate, he come jump on you, kiss you all over, and then make you work. <laughs> he will persist until you get up and do something. <laughs> you know, make a shadow for him or some funny face on the wall, yeah, so he can look and chase it. <laughs> okay, that was my dog, eh? He shouldn't jump in here, but he, <laughs> he came in. Okay, this guy, the chemist, chemist, right, called to his dog and say, measure, do your stuff. So measure, the dog got up, walked over to the fridge, took out a quart of milk, got a 10-ounce glass from the cupboard, and poured exactly 8 ounces without spilling a drop. <laughs> Everyone agreed that was a pretty impressive, impressive. 
Then the three men turned to the government worker and challenged him. What can your dog do? Because <laughs> they thought, after all this, I think, no, no other dog can do anything better than that, you know? So the gov- government worker called to his dog and said, Coffee break, do your stuff. <laughs> what else would you, you wish for, you know, when you work in the office all day? <laughs> That's very cute, huh? Coffee break, do your stuff. Now, coffee break, jump onto his feet, ate the cookies, drank the milk. <laughs> <laughs> Clam, he has injured his back while doing that. <laughs> File a grievance report for unsafe working conditions, put in for workers' compensation, and went home for the rest of the day on sick leave. <laughs> oh, somebody, somebody really don't like office worker, huh? <laughs> okay. Now it's about Jesus now. <laughs> Jesus and Satan have an argument as to who is the better programmer. Oh, they got into computer nowadays. <laughs> this goes on for a few hours until they come to an agreement to hold a contest with God the Father <laughs> as the judge. <laughs> wow. I'm sure who win already, right? They set themselves before their computers and begin. They are given the task and began to type furiously, lines of code streaming up the screen for several hours straight. Seconds before the end of the competition, a bolt of lightning strikes, taking out the electricity. Moments later, the power is restored, and God announces that the contest is over. He asks Satan to show what he has come up with. Satan indignantly protests, I have nothing. I lost it all when the power went out. Very well then, say God. Let us see if Jesus fare any better. Jesus enters a command and the screen comes to life with a vivid display, the voices of an angelic choir pour forth from the speakers. Satan was astonished. He stutters. But, 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 but how? <laughs> I lost everything. Yeah, 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 Jesus' program is intact. How did he do it? <laughs> so God chuckles. <laughs> Satan, when you are going to learn, Jesus saves. <laughs> <laughs> He's even good at saving computer programs. A state police officer sees a car puttering along at 22 miles per hour. He thinks, this driver is just as dangerous as a speeder. So he turns on his light and pulls the driver over. (sighs) And approaching the car, he notices that there are five old ladies two in the front seat and three in the back. 
wide eye and white as go- ghost. The driver, obviously confused, said to him, Officer, I don't understand. I was doing exactly the speed limit. What seems to be the problem? <laughs> the officer says, Ma'am, you weren't speeding, but you should know that driving slower than the speed limit can also be a danger to other drivers. Slower than the speed limit? Oh, sir, no, I was doing the speed limit exactly 22 miles an hour. You know? So the old woman was very proudly to tell him that. The officer, trying to contain (laughs) a chuckle, explained to her that 22 was the highway number, not the the speed limit. So embarrassed a little, the woman grinned and thanked the officer for pointing out her error. But before I let you go, ma'am, I have to ask, is anyone in this car okay? If everyone in this car okay? So this woman seemed awfully shaken, and they haven't muttered a single peep in this whole time. The officer asked, Oh, they'll be all right in a minute, officer. We just got off Highway 119. <laughs> 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 this one is called uh, Bad Names. Three brothers were walking through the wood. Their names were Trouble, Shut Up, and Be Quiet. <laughs> Trouble got lost on the way back to Shut Up, and Be Quiet went to... Uh, so Shut Up and Be Quiet went to police officer for help to find their missing brother. Excuse me, sir. We are looking for our brother. He got lost in the woods. Okay, said the officer taking out his note and pad and pen. What are your names? Shut up and be quiet. (laughs) (laughs) They answer. What? (laughs) The police officer shouts. Shut up and be quiet. They repeat even louder. Are you looking for trouble? (laughs) The officer was angry and yelling at them. Yes, sir. (laughs) This minister just had all of his remaining teeth pulled and new dentures were being made. The first Sunday, he only preached ten minutes, probably two-thirds. The second Sunday, he preached only twenty minutes. When on a, but on the third Sunday, he preached one hour and twenty-five minutes. When asked about this by some of the congregation, he responded like this. The first Sunday, my gums were so sore, it hurt to talk. The second Sunday, my dentures were hurting a lot. The third Sunday, I accidentally grabbed my wife's dentures, <laughs> and I couldn't stop talking. <laughs> Jesus was walking around heaven, making sure that everyone was blissfully happy when he came across an old man sitting in the corner and crying bitterly. Come on, say Jesus, we can't have this. You are supposed to be happy here. So the old man weeping and saying, I will never be happy here because when I was on earth, I was a carpenter. And one day my son left, and I never saw him again. 
So Jesus said, Dad? Is that you? So the man grabbed him, hugged him, and said, By no, we no A Jewish man complained to the police that he had been beaten up by two Irish men. So when questioned, the Irish man said that they had done it because the Jewish people had crucified Jesus. <laughs> My God, talking about... <laughs> yeah, long memory, eh? Good memory. The bewildered policeman said, But... But that, that was over 2,000 years ago, man. So the two Irish say, Yeah, but we only heard about that last night. <laughs> A lot of women feel that Jesus was like most of typical men. They say they will come back, but then you never see them again. <laughs> Is that true? Is that true, the men have come back? Huh? No, uh, my men all came back and I don't want them. <laughs> Say, please go. <laughs> I guess because I was Jesus or something. <laughs> they never see me again. <laughs> there was a big born again meeting in a large hall in Belfast. And a former lady sinner was on a stage with a microphone in her hand recounting her experiences. Last night, she she told them, I was in the arms of Satan, but tonight I am in the arms of Jesus. <laughs> she converted, yeah. And then some people raised hand and asked her, How about tomorrow night? <laughs> <laughs> a Scotsman was on a visit to the Holy Land and took a trip to the Sea of Galilee where Jesus walked on the water. How much for a return boat trip across the lake? He asked the boatman. Huh? The boatman said, $50. What? <laughs> that's, a <laughs> that's a heck of a fare, said the Scotsman. No wonder Jesus walked. <laughs> Too expensive for, for the poor guy. <laughs> We would walk too, right? <laughs> My God, even airplane costs so much sometimes. <laughs> now, there's a question for you here. Why did Mary and Joseph take Jesus with them to Jerusalem? Who knows? Hmm? Come on, you're enlightened saint, man. Show me some IQ. No, nobody know? Ah, oh, that's too, too serious, man. It's a joke here. <laughs> Remember, this is a joke. No, nobody knows? <laughs> but this is funny. <laughs> that's funny. Anybody knows? Huh? They couldn't find a babysitter. My God. <laughs> a priest and a rabbi were talking on a train. What are the promotion prospects like in your church? The rabbi asked the priest. The priest said, pretty good, pretty good. I could be made a parish priest. Yeah, soon. The rabbi asked him, and then? And then uh, a monsignor. And then? 
And then uh, I could be a bishop. And then? Oh, well, a cardinal. Cardinal? Yeah. And then? A pop. I could be a pop. And then? There's nothing higher than a pop, said the priest, except God. The rabbi said to him, Yeah, but one of our boys made it. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Become God. Jesus saw the deaf man and he took pity on him and restored his hearing. Jesus saw the blind man and he took pity on him and restored his sight. And Jesus saw the crippled man and took pity on him and wanted to restore his uh, say ability. But the crippled man shouted, Don't touch me! I have got a disability pension. <laughs> Even Jesus couldn't beat that, huh? <laughs> Some typical, huh? It's a joke, but it's typical, huh? Some human don't even want to go to heaven. The Pope was in the middle of an audience when a cardinal came and whispered in his ear, Jesus is on the phone and wants to have a word with you. So the Pope rushed away to his private chamber and returned a few minutes to his pilgrims. I have good news and bad news for you, he told them. There was Jesus on the phone. And he has just arrived on earth for the second coming. That was the good news. The bad news is that he was calling from South Lake City. I don't know why it's so funny. I guess don't care about Catholic Church. Huh? He deserted them. <laughs> they should say he's in Paris Center, no? <laughs> Sorry about that. It's just a few miles from Vatican, no? <laughs> Jesus, Mary, and Joseph were going about their, uh, their daily work at their home in Nazareth, when suddenly Jesus ran inside into Joseph's carpenter shop and said, Did you call me, Dad? Joseph said, No, no, I just hit my thumb with the hammer again. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> A little boy was asked, uh, by his religious teacher, how he would recognize Jesus if he came back again today. Easy, the little boy says. He wears his heart outside his chest. <laughs> you see all the photos? They paint Jesus with a heart outside. So the boy says, easy, I can recognize it. <laughs> it's so funny. People are so naive, huh? <laughs> If it was so easy, huh? <laughs> Actually, in one of the, uh, the magazine, I read that they have found some, I say, prediction from Jesus, you know? And one of the sentences says that they will not recognize me because I will come back as a woman. Yeah. But there has many, I don't know where it is anymore. <laughs> I don't know if it's trustworthy source of information. So, yeah, but that magazine has no nothing, no interest in them to write this kind of thing, you know? Because they write many other predictions as well, yeah. 
not just about Jesus, huh? about other things. And one sentence about Jesus is like that, like, I will come back as a woman. He forgot to say high heel and all that. <laughs> it make it easier for us folk to recognize, no? <laughs> a man was behaving suspiciously, suspiciously near the gate of heaven. Yeah. First he, he went to the gate and then he walked away. And then he approached the gate and walked away again. And then he has kept doing that for a few times. And then St. Peter called for Jesus, who decided to confront the man. Look, what are you playing at? Jesus asked him. Well, said the man, you know I am dead. I know I am dead. Now if somebody would please just tell the cardiac resuscitation team. <laughs> Keep pushing him back to life. <laughs> Come back out, in and out, in and out. A rabbi was worried that his son was about to be converted to Christianity, so he prayed fervently to God to prevent this from happening. <laughs> oh, my God. I pray to the same God. <laughs> Please don't let him be converted to Christianity. <laughs> my son want to become a Christian. Please stop him, oh God. He prayed. The voice of God boomed back. What can I do? Look at my own son. <laughs> Jesus was a Jew, no? And then <laughs> he became a Christian. No? Why is Jesus so popular in Ireland? <laughs> Irish man. No? <laughs> you wouldn't know it. He was the first man who could turn water into wine. <laughs> One of the greatest acts of forgiveness in the Gospels is that Peter became one of the disciples despite the fact that Jesus has healed his mother-in-law. <laughs> Horrible joke, I'm telling you. I don't know where he found all this joke. <laughs> Poor mother-in-law. What, what has she done? Huh? I mean, the mother-in-law may be famous for a uh, daughter-in-law eh? about being uh, conflicting, but the mother-in-law would have loved the son-in-law very much, no? Hmm? No? Uh, what about yours? Not always? <laughs> okay. Maybe you wrote this joke, I don't know. <laughs> you probably wrote this joke, right? <laughs> The Pope and the Cardinal were sitting in the Vatican drinking coffee when a young priest ran in and said, Jesus was visiting earth and heading their way. The Pope headed for his typewriter and began writing a new encyclical. So the Cardinal asked him, what should I do? The Pope said to him, look busy. <laughs> <laughs> the boss is coming. <laughs> That's bad, huh? As if they are not busy at all. <laughs> Mary, the mother of Jesus, was heard saying, ah, typical, you wait ages for a wise man to come. <laughs> <laughs> 
and then three come along all together. <laughs> One wise man only, and then come three together. Mr. Cohen has his clothes shop in a difficult situation. On his left-hand side was a huge department store owned by a Catholic, and on his right-hand side was, was an equally big store owned, I, owned by a Protestant. <laughs> so he's in the middle, squeezing between two shops, you know, a little bit difficult to sell his clothes. Uh, when Easter came, both the Catholic and the Protestant shop owners display a huge sign which read, Jesus is risen. So they urged the shop of Mr. Cohen to do the same. So he displayed a huge sign which read like this, Jesus is risen, but Cohen's price remained the same. <laughs> There was a sign on a southern evangelist church. It says, Jesus loves all denominations, but his favorite is the $100 bill. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Even at the age of four years old, a young boy was very stage-struck, and he wanted to be a great actor. He was therefore very annoyed not to be given the top part of Jesus of Joseph in the school uh, nativity play, but was cast as the innkeeper instead. You know, uh, the part of Joseph is a bigger, you know, bigger role, and the innkeeper is a nobody. <laughs> so he was very annoyed. But on the night of the performance, he gained his re revenge. So when Mary and Joseph arrived at the inn, the inn, he greeted them, saying, Come on in, welcome, I have a room reserved for you. <laughs> he ruined the script, huh? <laughs> Instead of going to the mango, <laughs> and everything ruined. <laughs> a priest was driving along on his motorbike, at over 70 kilometers an hour when he was stopped by a policeman. He said to the father, You were going too fast for someone with L plates, father. If it was anyone else, I would be inclined to give you a ticket. So the father said, Don't worry, my son. Jesus is with me. So the, the policeman said, in, in that case, I am definitely going to give you a ticket because you are not allowed to carry a passenger. <laughs> it's just an L license, you know? <laughs> a mother gave her two boys an apple each, one big and one small. And one of the boys grabbed the big apple and gave the small one to his brother. So the mother remonstrated to him and said, Come, come, come. If you were Jesus, you would have taken the small apple and give the big one to your brother. No? Okay. The guy with the big apple looked at his brother and said, You can be Jesus. <laughs>
A nun who was also a nurse in a hospital was taking down a patient's details. One patient gave his name and age, but said he has no next of kin. Come on now, she said to him. You must have some relative that we can contact. Well, I have a sister, but she'll be no good because she's only a nun. Only a nun. You know the nun was very indignant. How dare you! You should know she's the bride of Jesus. So the the man's patient smiled and said, "In that case, please send all my medical bills to my ma- brother-in-law." <laughs> <laughs> Jesus was once asked a trick a trick question by the Pharisees: "Can you make a stone so heavy?" That even you cannot lift it, he asked Jesus. Jesus said yes, and then to prove that I was God, I would lift it. <laughs> <laughs> The boy, little boy, was praying very loudly as he went to bed. Please, Jesus, send me a bicycle for my birthday. Please, Jesus, he was praying very loud. So the mother said to him. There's no need to shout. God is not deaf. So the kids say, "I know that, but Grandma is." <laughs> <laughs> There was an old woman uh, praying very, very devoutly down below uh, scaffolding, and there was a man high up on the scaffolding. Inside a big church, wanted to play a joke <laughs> on her, so he shouted out at her, saying, "Hello, this is Jesus speaking." But the lady did not stir, and again, very loud, he said, "Hello, this is Jesus speaking." Again, there's no reaction. So finally, he shouted with all his power. Hello, this is Jesus speaking. But the woman didn't even lift her head. But she said, "Be quiet! I'm speaking to your mother." <laughs> <laughs> This man was very ugly, ugly. So he prayed to Jesus. He prayed to Jesus to send him some money for plastic surgery. <laughs> uh, right enough, he won a huge amount in the lottery and had his. Plastic surgery, but just a few days later he died. While wandering around heaven, he met Jesus and asked him, "Why didn't you give me some time to enjoy my new good look?" But Jesus said, "I'm sorry, I just didn't recognize you." <laughs> If It had been three wise women who visited Jesus in Jerusalem instead of three wise men. What, what would have happened that makes a more difference? Yeah, would make a big difference or not? Okay, the answer is well, they would have asked for directions. <laughs> <laughs> That's number one. Number two, they would have arrived on time. Number three, they would have helped deliver the baby. 
Jesus, yeah. Number four, they would have cleaned the stable. <laughs> Number five, they would have made a casserole. <laughs> Number six, and they would have brought disposable nappies as gifts. <laughs> as gifts, yeah, instead of... <laughs> what, what did they brought? What did they bring to Jesus? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And by the way, there was one one kid, you know, in the in the Catholic school. Uh, he he made an exam, you know, when they asked, "What did the three wise men bring to Jesus for Jesus as a gift?" He say, uh, "They brought him some gold, some uh, mud, and some uh, Frankenstein." <laughs> <laughs> Frankenstein. <laughs> Children, you know. <laughs> there was a guy, he was uh, praying like this Dear Jesus, you know, it's a day prayer. Dear Jesus, you should be proud of me so far today because I haven't gossiped or lost my temper, I haven't stolen anything, I haven't been greedy nasty or selfish or lusted after anything or anybody. Now, in a few minutes, I'm going to get out of bed. (laughs) And after that, I'm probably going to need all the help you can send me. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) A Scottish preacher was preaching his favorite words of Jesus from the pulpit. Quote, And the sinners, he thundered, will be cast into exterior darkness, where there will be whipping and gnashing of teeth. The elder, one of the elder women shouted back, I have lost all my teeth years ago. What about me? So the preacher said, teeth will be provided, my dear. (laughs) (laughs) This is a ram. Roses are reddish. Violets are bluish. If it wasn't for Jesus, we would all be Jewish. (laughs) (laughs) A new pope took over the Catholic Church and was told by his secretary that in the Vatican safe there was a letter from Jesus himself that had never been opened by any pope and he hoped that the new pope will continue this tradition. The Pope said, yes, he would, but one night his curiosity got the better of him. So he sneaked down to the safe, opened it, and took out the letter. With trembling hands, he opened the envelope and examined the letter. It was signed by Jesus, all right, but it turned out to be the bill of the Last Supper. (laughs) A woman who was a very strong believer in Jesus uh, was about to go on an urgent, urgent drive when she locked her keys in the car. So she prayed to Jesus to send help. And right away, the first man passing by was able to help her to open the car. She shouted, Praise be to Jesus for sending me such a nice man. And then the guy growled at her. I'm not a nice man, lady. I just got out of the jail a few hours ago after doing 10 years for car theft. 
So to say the woman, praise be to Jesus for sending me a professional. (laughs) (laughs) If Jesus were alive today, and many people believe he is, would, would he be handing out buttons with the slogan like this? What part of those shall not don't you understand? <laughs> Got it, yeah? Yeah, many those shall not, they do it all anyway. <laughs> That's what it is. I agree with that. <laughs> A little girl was asked in religious class in school why Jesus in the Lord's Prayer had told us to ask for our daily bread. Anybody knows? Can you guess? Because they would have it fresh every day. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't you like to eat three day old bread? (laughs) A little boy was praying, say uh, something like, you know, give us our daily bread and please deliver deliver us from email. At a religious class, a little girl was asked if she knew what she knew about Good Friday. So the girl answered, He was the good fellow who did all the work for Robinson Crusoe (laughs) Friday. (laughs) Yeah, you know, right? You like it. A curious little child asked her father, Is Jesus everywhere? Yes, love. The father smiled and answered her, Is Jesus also in my friend Shirley's back garden? He persists. She persisted. So the, the, the father said, Yes, love. Jesus is also in your friend Shirley's back garden. So the girl gets serious and says, That's funny, because my friend Shirley doesn't have a back garden. (laughs) A top executive of Coca-Cola went to the pub and offered him a quarter of a million euro to change the words of the Lord's Prayer from uh, Give us this day our daily bread into Give us this day our daily (laughs) Coca-Cola. The pop say, I'm sorry, the money would be welcome, but I cannot change the words of Jesus, as quoted in the Bible. The executive uh, come back a week later and uh, increase the offer to half a million euro. So the pop saying, sorry, my son, I can't do it. The answer is still no. Finally, the executive offers one million euro to the pub and saying, please take it and change it. It's a lot of money, yeah. So the pub says, it is not in my power to do what you ask. I cannot discuss this any further. So he, the executive leaves the Vatican and say to his, uh, you know, nearby PA, I wonder how much the bread... Business people are paying him. (laughs) (laughs) The reasons why some people believe that Jesus might have been black. (laughs) 
all the chocolate. Listen well. <laughs> because, number one, he called everybody brother. <laughs> number two, he liked gospel. Another reason that people believe that uh, Jesus might have been Irish. Number one, because he lived with his parents until he was 30. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Is that so? All the Irish live with his parents? <laughs> wow, it's very green, no? <laughs> Save a lot of money, eh? Trouble. <laughs> Number two, he believed his mother was a virgin. <laughs> Number three, his mother believed he was God. Oh, no. well, that's not too good. Okay. And some people believe Jesus might have been a Californian because, number one, he had long hair. <laughs> the hippie. Number two, he was always in sandals or barefoot. <laughs> number three, he founded a new religion. <laughs> All this happened in California, I guess. Okay. Some people believe Jesus might have been Italian because he moved his hands about when he talked. <laughs> he had wine with every meal. <laughs> the friends don't? It could have been the friends, you know. Oh, but they, the friends, they don't move their hand too much when they talk, right? So... Number three, he used olive oil all the time. <laughs> Is that true, Italian? Okay. Some people believe Jesus might have been Mexican. <laughs> because he, number one, he had a Mexican name. <laughs> he, he just, no? <laughs> That's a Mexican name. A lot of Jesus walking around Mexico, you know that? <laughs> Uh, number two, he never had a steady job. <laughs> oh, why is that? Number three, he loved telling stories. Is that typical Mexican? Yeah? No idea. Really true, brother? Yeah? Okay. Some people believed even that Jesus might have been a woman. Yeah. Number one, he had to feed a crowd of 5,000 at a moment's notice when there was very little food available. Number two, because he kept trying to get a message across to a bunch of men who just didn't get it. <laughs> I like that one very much. <laughs> Don't you think it's good? <laughs> he might have been a woman. Oh, he had learned his lesson and become a woman instead. <laughs> Number three, even when he was dead, <laughs> he had to get up because there was more for him to do. <laughs> more work to do. <laughs> Only a woman can do that, huh? Wow. Yeah, what an honor. 
Okay, that concludes our joke today. <laughs> If you have any doubt, you can write to the Vatican to complain <laughs> or for further information. <laughs> Did you enjoy the joke? Yeah. Good, no? <laughs> Thanks to the people who collected them. <laughs> Jokes are very good for us, eh? <laughs> good, no? <laughs> yeah. We all rely on women, it's true, huh? <laughs> yeah. Hey, you guys have a rest a little bit, have a fresh air and come back, okay? <laughs> Go laugh yourself, silly. <laughs> <laughs> The watermelon hunter. Have you ever heard of such a hunter in your life? Yeah? No. Well, but that's what we hope they all will become. <laughs> the hunter, you know? They <laughs> will hunt watermelon instead of any other animals. Yeah? That will be the good day, huh? So we begin with that. The watermelon hunter. Mm-hmm. Once upon a time, there was a man who stray from his own country into the world known as the land of fools. Where can that be? <laughs> the land of fools. Was it on the map? I think it's everywhere, right? <laughs> no need a map, right? <laughs> okay. He soon saw a number of people flying in terror from a field where they had been trying to reap wheat. They keep crying while running. There's a monster! There's a monster in the field! There's a monster in that field! And then they told him so. He looked and saw that it was just a watermelon. <laughs> Because the people have never seen a watermelon before. Kabish? Yeah? And all they saw just wheat, you know, rice perhaps, wheat, but not the watermelon. And the watermelon grew from nowhere. Of course, it must be a monster, no? <laughs> uh, you know how the watermelon grow there? How? In the field of wheat, how can a watermelon grow? Tell me. Tell me, all the wise men. Jesus had only three wise men, and I have so many here. Huh? The birds brought it there. Good. See, wise woman always better. <laughs> When it comes to men, we're stuck. <laughs> All right. Hmm. So now, uh, he offered to kill the monster for them. Yes. So when he had cut the melon from its stalk, he took a slice and began to eat it. What else would you do with a watermelon, right? Ah, the people became even more terrified of him than of the monster melon. <laughs> so they use, uh, you know, pitchforks, you know, sticks, and, uh, you know, all kind of things to beat him up and throw him out of the village. Yeah. Because they were so worried that in the future 
he might kill and eat them too. If he could kill a demon and eat like that, what about human, right? <laughs> okay, here he will, he left. And another time, uh, another man visited that that village again, and also he strayed into the land of fools. Fools, right? Stupid, right? Okay. <laughs> and the same thing started to happen to him. But instead of offering to help them with the monster, he also agreed with them that it must be dangerous. A melon monster is dangerous. And by tiptoeing away from it with them, he gained their confidence. Yeah, <laughs> he's one of us. He also feared the monster. He must be a good guy. <laughs> and then after a while, he spent a long, long time with them, and then slowly, slowly gained more and more of their confidence and slowly teach them that a watermelon is harmless. Yes. And then, later on, he even teach them how to cultivate the watermelon themselves and eat them also. <laughs> it sounds similar to the job of a master, eh? Right? <laughs> the master come in and do everything like everybody else and then gain their confidence and then eat the melon. <laughs> what else do you want the master to do? <laughs> what would you do if you are in the land of the fools? Huh? What would you do with a monster like that? We have them a lot here in supermarket, <laughs> but these people in the land of fools, have never seen such a monster. Yeah, you see, sometimes you have to look like them, do like them, yeah? And then they will be not too fearful from you, yeah? I see, some people ask me why I don't wear monks, robe, nuns, robe, whatever, like all the priests and the holy ones, you know? Uh, yes. You know, so many monks in the Buddhist temple, but everybody go there, take refuse, give a red envelope with money in it, and go home, eat meat, drink wine again. Yeah. So I think I should change the strategy. No? <laughs> and it worked, no? Yeah, look at how many <laughs> melon eaters sitting here. <laughs> Instead of eating meat, you're eating melon with me. Yeah? And it's cool, no? Yeah. So it doesn't matter what I have to do as long as my job is done, yeah? And it's cool like that. So, hmm. got a lot of people curious why I don't wear monk's robe and nun's robe, you know? And you just see the monk's robe, you, you just bow to it because he's a holy person. <laughs> and you just feel, okay, only him can do it, you know, because he's holy. He stay in the temple and he wear patched robe, you know, like the monks, you know, they wear the, the robe with patching everywhere. Yeah. So he's holy. And we normal people can never do that. So I might just well go bow to him, steal whatever merit, steal whatever merit he has, and take it home with an apple, <laughs> and then, okay, carry on, you know, usual work. Understand me? So many monks in the temple, and how many of the so-called their disciples have one meal vegetarian? All they do, you know. Uh, twice a month, you know, the first day of the month and the last day of the month. I told you already. Or the first day and the middle day of the month. Yeah? You know that, right? So I think I changed the tactic and it works, yeah? 
<laughs> yes. Good, huh? It works, huh? Yes. All of our people are eating melons, right? <laughs> Instead of meat. No? Then it's okay. It's cool. Now, this is <laughs> the next story is more funny. Be prepared. <laughs> Actually, in this shop, it's not that funny, you know, just <laughs> because we are funny. After eating the melon, we become funny, yeah? That's why we laugh a lot. Okay. The next story is about an, um, an ambassador, you know, an accident ambassador. Mm. I mean, I mean, accidentally he became an ambassador. <laughs> <laughs> this concerning Mullah Nasruddin, you know that guy, right? <laughs> a lot of laugh about him always. Here's another laugh about him. Yeah, this, this time he's more serious, but still laughter, yeah by a series of misunderstanding and coincidence. Mullah Nasruddin found himself one day in the audience hall of the emperor of Persia. Sahinsa, I mean the king, yeah, of Persia, he's called Sahinsa, was surrounded by self-seeking nobles, governors of provinces, uh, courtiers and syncophants of all kinds. He was surrounded by all of these people. One is competing with each other, with the others, and claimed to be appointed head of the embassy, which was soon to set out for India. Yeah. Actually, diplomats, yeah? yeah? They're not going to make an embassy in India, perhaps they just want to send an envoy, yeah, a diplomat. Everybody was clamoring, making noise, and competing with each other and clamming themselves good and that and other. So the king had up to here, yeah, more than enough of all this self-aggrandizement of these uh, from these uh, uh, his courtiers and his, uh, I would say, assistants. So he raised his head, yeah, above all of them. And he didn't even know what to choose. He kept looking at heaven as asking Jesus to help him, yeah. <laughs> and then somehow his eyes, you know, landed <laughs> on Nasruddin. <laughs> this is a mullah. He's a Muslim teacher, you know what I mean? Master, and this guy is always getting into some unlikely situation anyway. <laughs> and suddenly he was there. Perhaps he was taller than the rest. <laughs> so when the king lifted his head down from heaven, back to earth again, saw his head was swimming among the crowd. So he said, there, that man is going to be my ambassador to India. Said and done. So now, please, all of you, leave me in peace. Ah, oh, fine. Nasruddin was given rich clothes and an enormous chest of rubies, diamonds, emeralds, and priceless works of art so that uh, he can bring this gift of uh, Shahinshah to the great Mogul. Now, the courtiers who lost the job, all of them become very frustrated and angry, of course, no? So they, now they decided to 
united together, to be united together to fight against this <laughs> opportunist <laughs> mullah. And uh, they uh, try to trick him, you know, into trouble because they are about uh, they they are up to destroying him. Yeah, <laughs> the what you cannot eat, you spoil it, <laughs> so nobody else can eat. That is the sometimes the psychology of some human. Now they uh, united together and do a lot of stuff, stupid things. Like they broke into his quarters and stole all the jewels, yeah, and all the nice artwork and all the precious item in the mullah's trust, yeah, took it out, divided among themselves. And then they even put the earth into the box to make up the weight so that he wouldn't notice. Now, uh, they even determined to ruin his uh, ambassador job and also to discredit his uh, ability and honor. Now, they, uh, what they do is they come to Nasruddin, you know, very humble, very nice, very polite, sweet talk, telling him such. Great Nasruddin, we congratulate you. Yes. What the fountain of wisdom, peacock of the world, has ordered must be the essence of all wisdom. We therefore hail you. But there are just a couple of points upon which we may be able to advise you, accustomed as we are to the behavior of diplomatic emissaries. They're going to tell him some tricks, yeah? Ruin him. Do you know what uh, fountain of wisdom peacock of the world means? Apart from the dictionary word? They address the king first, yeah? They also call him the full moon, yeah, or the presence, I mean, God, yeah, even, or God, uh, God, 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 what, God, uh, rep, <laughs> yeah, the PR of God, yeah. So Nasruddin mm, thought they are very nice people, you know, oh, so happy to have such colleagues. <laughs> so he said, of course, uh, please, I'll be grateful if you tell me. Yes, I'm new to the job. Of course, he has never done this before. <laughs> As God would have had it, you know. <laughs> Some people just have it by, you know, getting the job out of nowhere. Now, mm, say very well, say the chief of this uh, group. The first thing is that you must be humble. They, tell, they told Nasruddin, In order to prove how modest you are, therefore you should not show any sign of self-importance. When you reach India, you must enter as many mosques as you can and make collections for yourself. <laughs> Take money from the mosque. Understand? When he is going to a Muslim country <laughs> and he's supposed 
they tell him to go to every mosque and ask everybody to donate to him. <laughs> This is exactly opposite of what the king of Persia wanted him to do. You know that. But the king of Persia have never told him this because he would never expect him to go and collect money in the mosque as an ambassador, no? You wouldn't even do that, no? Okay. So that's how they told him. And besides, the king of Persia would want his ambassador to represent him, you know, with dignity and some power, you know, noticeable to the king of India, because the king of India at that time wanted to occupy Persia, yeah? So the embassy uh, from Persia must show some power, some dignity, some confidence, you know? And here they advise him to be humble, <laughs> to be nobody, <laughs> and to go collect money <laughs> from the mosque, which not even a Muslim clergy do that. The Nasruddin know nothing at all. Say, oh, yes, yes, I will do all that. Thank you so much. And then they even continue. The second thing is that you must observe court etiquette in the country to which you are accredited. This will mean that you will refer to the great um, mogul as the full moon, you know. But at that time, the full moon is a title only addressed to the king of Persia, you know, as the most respected, yeah. So uh, Nasruddin was a little bit puzzled and said, but that is the title only for our Persian emperor, no? And then uh, the people, the bad people say to him, but not in India. Okay, fine. So Nasruddin listened to all this <laughs> advice and went to India, set out for India. The Persian emperor told him uh, as they took leave, be careful, Nasruddin, adhere to the etiquette. For the Mogul <laughs> is a mighty emperor and we must impress him while not affronting him in any way. Wow, that's a difficult job, eh? Mm. Impress him, but not offended him. Wow, that's difficult. Can you do it? Any of you? Sure, huh? Recite the five names. <laughs> Eat the vegetarian, give him the AL leaflet. <laughs> so Nasruddin said to the king, I'm well prepared, your majesty. Yeah. Uh, rest at peace. I will do my job to represent our country well. So as soon as he entered the territory of India, Nasruddin went into a mosque and amounted to the uh, pulpit right away. Oh, people, please <laughs> give all donation to me. <laughs> <laughs> you have to see in me the representative of Allah yeah, on earth and the axis of the globe. Bring out all your money, for I'm making a collection right now. <laughs> <laughs> And this, he keep repeating, repeating in every single mosque in the country <laughs> before he even reached Delhi, eh, the capital. He collected a great deal of money. And the counselors had said to him before, you know, do whatever you want with it. 
for it is the product of intuitive growth and bestowal, and as much is used will create its own demand. <laughs> What a nonsense! <laughs> I don't understand it. <laughs> you know these uh, bad people; they just tell him anything, and the poor Nasruddin <laughs> take it all to the letter. You know. <laughs> All that they wanted happen was for the mullah to be exposed to ridicule, because they want him to be exposed, yeah, in such a shameless manner that he collect the money. But he was too honest and stupid. He did exactly what they told him. Nasruddin keep roaring, you know, in every mosque he enters. The holy must live from their holiness. <laughs> I give no account. Nor do I expect any. To you, money is something to be hoarded. After being sought, you can exchange it for material things. To me, it is a part of a mechanism. I am the representative of a natural force of intu- intuitive growth, bestowal, and disimbursement. He repeat what the council told him. <laughs> All the nonsense, <laughs> and he he does it with gusto, you know, <laughs> roaring in the mosque like a lion. So some people give money, yeah. But it's funny that even these are very bad scheme, you know, evil scheme to harm Nasruddin. But good things come out of it. So be, he collected a lot of money, <laughs> and nobody said anything. <laughs> they believed in him, and the one who believed and gave him a lot, they become richer, more blessed. More abundance, more happy. The one who doubted him don't give, become poorer, get sick, or have some accident, trouble in life. Yeah, and that's just by the way the report. Yeah. Mm. Now, sitting on the peacock throne, <laughs> in the old time they use all kind of thing. Huh? Peacock, lotus, yeah, um, full moon. <laughs> Why don't call themselves Fun Sun instead? Nah, it's even brighter. No, <laughs> why bother to be the moon? <laughs> it's it's nice they use this uh, romantic uh, word to call this uh, throne of the emperor. Huh? Uh, even now, the uh, the Japanese still still call the throne of the emperor the the chrysanthemum chrysanthemum throne. Yeah. And the Buddha throne is supposed to be a lotus, lotus throne. Yeah, I don't know what I'm sitting on. It's <laughs> I keep slipping down <laughs> because it's it go somehow this way. Okay. Mm. So on the peacock throne, the emperor at Delhi studied the reports which courtiers were daily bringing him about Nasruddin' <laughs> behavior. <laughs> <laughs> They're describing the Persian ambassador's activities daily. He's doing every day, going to the mosque, collect money. <laughs> What an ambas- ambassador! Huh? At first, he could make no sense out of them. <laughs> Then he called his council together. He said, "Gentlemen, this Nasruddin must indeed be a saint, or a divinely guided one." <laughs> Who ever heard of anyone else violating the principle that one does not seek money without a plausible reason? He don't say any reason. Remember, lest a wrong interpretation be placed upon one's motives. 
So he must be a saint. That's what he think. Yeah, because he does such a crazy thing. So he couldn't couldn't be so stupid. So he must be a saint. <laughs> <laughs> so the courtiers, you know, council tell him, tell the king, may your shadow never grow less. Wow, so polite. Oh, infinite extension of wisdom. <laughs> they address the king. We agree, Your Majesty. If there are men like this in Persia, we must beware, for their moral ascendancy over our materialistic outlook is obvious. I mean, they are much better than us, you know, more moral or more superior in, in a different way. Then a runner arrived from Persia with a secret letter in which the Mughals spies at the imperial court reports. You know, they report in, uh, they uh, have spies in Persia, and they bring him a letter now. It's read like this. Mullah Nasruddin is a man of no consequence in Persia. I mean, he's nobody. Yeah. We don't know why the king chose him to be ambassador. He was just picked at random. We cannot understand the reason for the Shahinshahs not being more selective. I mean, don't, don't understand why the king has picked him as ambassador. The Mughal called his council together again. Incomparable birds of paradise. He called them. Well, so they're very polite to each other. No? What would you call me? <laughs> he told them. A thought has manifested itself to me. The Persian emperor has chosen a man at random to represent his whole nation. This may mean that he is so confident of the consistent quality of his people that for him anyone at all <laughs> is qualified to undertake the delicate task of an ambassador to the sublime court of Delhi. Ha! Something turned out. Is it not bad? Turn become good. It's because of Nasruddin. He always has luck. <laughs> the king of India continue. This may mean that uh, also the degree of perfection attained, the amazingly infallible intuitive powers cultivated among the Persian. So we must reconsider our desire to invade this country. For such a people could easily engulf, engulf our arms. Their society is organized on a different basis from our own. I mean, he's scared now. Yeah. If you're the Persian people, if just anybody can become an ambassador like that, then the whole Persia is, is an amazing country. We should never invade them at all, shouldn't even think about it. He wanted to, but now he reconsidered. Hmm. So the Indian noblers cry, You are right, superlative warrior on the frontiers. <laughs> Another name for him. <laughs> oh my God, all this name. At length, Nasruddin arrived in Delhi. He was riding his old donkey. <laughs> you know him. <laughs> he meant the donkey. <laughs> and was followed by his escort. 
weighed down by the sacks of money which he had collected in the mosque. <laughs> the treasure chest was mounted on an elephant. Such was its size and weight, you know, full of earth in there. <laughs> Nasruddin was met by the master of ceremonies at the gate of Delhi. The emperor was seated with his nobles in an immense courtyard, reception hall of the ambassadors. You know, this courtyard entrance was arranged so that it's very low, so that whoever goes through that before seeing the king, they have to dismount from the horse, you know, and indicate already, like, supplication, eh? inferior, give them already inferior complex where the king sit on the ninth, ninth level <laughs> of the throne. Okay. But uh, because, uh, because uh, Nasruddin come on with a donkey, he's very low anyway. <laughs> so he just <laughs> drive through. <laughs> with his donkey <laughs> barbing all the way. <laughs> I'm coming, I'm coming. <laughs> no ambassador had ever arrived astride a donkey anyway, <laughs> however. And thus there was nothing to stop Nasruddin trotting <laughs> straight through the door and up to the emperor days. The Indian king and his courtiers exchanged, you know, meaningful glances at this act. Nasruddin blithely dismounted, addressed the king as the full moon, <laughs> and called for his treasure chest to be brought when it was open. The treasure chest full of earth in there. There was a moment of consternation. <laughs> so now Ruzdin first time saw it. He didn't know that. He thought it was full of treasure inside. So he thought to himself, I better say nothing. <laughs> Because there's nothing I say now can <laughs> explain this stuff. I'm doomed for sure. So he kept quiet. Yes. So the mogul whispered to his viziers, I mean his, uh, you know, premier, What does this mean? <laughs> Is this meant as an insult to the highest eminence? The vizier also... <laughs> could not believe this. <laughs> he think quickly, furiously for a moment, and then he provided the interpretation. <laughs> it is a symbolic act, Your Majesty. The ambassador means that he acknowledges you as the master of the earth. <laughs> That's why he brought earth to you. Because he also called you the full moon, no? Full moons mean, you know, very the great already, greatest king at that time. So the mogul relaxed. <sighs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> he might have said cool. Or sava, sava. <laughs> oh, he would say, muy bien, <laughs> muy bien. So he said to the Nasruddin, we are content with the offering of the Persian Sahinsa, I mean king, eh? for we have no need for wealth in any way. 
and we appreciate the metaphysical subtlety of the message. <laughs> wow, talking about luck, eh? Everything changed into his luck. I, even all these bad courtiers want to play hell on him. He still gained the, the credit, the good credit. Yeah. So all we do is just be a good person, and everything will turn out well, hey? This is a message. Okay. So Nasruddin said to the king, Your Majesty, I have been told to say, and he remembered the, the talk of the, <laughs> of the bad courtiers, I said, uh, that this is all we have for Your Majesty. <laughs> Do you understand? They suppose this is supposed to be a provoking sentence, yeah? Bring in just a handful of soy, and this is all we give to you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the, the interpreter, you know, of the omens also whisper to the king and say that that means that Persia will not yield one more ounce of her soil to us. You know, <laughs> like a message, like don't invade. You know, we don't give you any more. Actually, nonsense, you know. It's just, it just turned out good. <laughs> because Nasruddin is good luck, no? So, so the king was said to, uh, to Nasruddin smilingly. He said, Tell your master that we understand. <laughs> but there is one point. If I am the full moon, what is the Persian emperor? So Nasruddin automatically say he's a full he's a new moon. <laughs> so the court, you know, advisor whispered to the king again, "This okay? The full moon is more mature, <laughs> bigger, give more light. So it's superior to the new moon, which is young and small." <laughs> So you are the senior. Yeah, very good. So the king was very delighted, you know, and said, Ah, yes, we are content. You may return to Persia and tell the new moon. <laughs> tell the new moon that the full moon <laughs> salutes him. <laughs> what a good moon he was. <laughs> Told you it's funny, hmm? The Persian spies at the court in Delhi immediately sent a complete account of this interchange to the Sahinsa. They added that it was known that the Mughal emperor had been impressed and feared Persia, so they planned no war against Persian because of the activities of Nasruddin. <laughs> He's doing nothing, and he gained all the credit. So, of course... When Naruddin returned home, the Shahinsha received the mullah in full audience. I'm more than pleased, friend Naruddin. He said, at the result of your unorthodox methods, (laughs) (laughs) our country is saved, yeah? And this means that there will be no attempt at accounting for the jewels or the collecting in mosque. Yeah? I mean, he forgive him anyway. He's not supposed to do that. But he saved the country. It doesn't matter what he does. It's okay. 
So he's not going to punish him for collecting money in Jews and all that in the, the mosque. You are henceforth to be known by the special title of Safir, that means emissary, yeah, real, real ambassador of peace. <laughs> okay, but his vizier, he's in the ear of the, of the, the uh, new moon. <laughs> he said, but your majesty, this man is guilty of high treason, if not even more. We have perfect evidence that he applied one of your titles to the emperor of India, thus changing his alien allegiance and bringing one of your magnificent attributes into disrepute. You know, the full moon stuff. But the Sahinsha, don't listen to that. He said, yes, but the sage have said wisely that to every perfection there is an imperfection. Nasruddin, but why? Why did you call me the new moon? <laughs> I'm supposed to be the full moon. <laughs> it's only half of it. <laughs> so he didn't like it. So Nasruddin said, I, I know nothing about the protocol, but I do know that the full moon is about to wane, and the new moon is still growing, with its greatest glories ahead of it. <laughs> By the future, <laughs> long, long live, longer life. So the emperors, oh, so happy. Sais <laughs> Anwar, the grand vizier, uh, he roar, you know, say, Mula, I offer you the position of grand vizier. <laughs> you know, take the old vizier away and give this to Mula. But the Mula say, what? How could I accept? The position after seeing what you do to my, to the uh, my uh, to my predecessor, you know, the old grand vizier. Okay, so that's that's what the story was. Nobody say anything about how the treasure chest has been used, you know, after being stolen from him. They say, sorry, forget about it. We don't know anyway. <laughs> So that means he did not even accept to become a premier, yeah? And I, I don't know where he goes next. He probably goes somewhere, do something else, like buy a lot of chili and eat it. <laughs> and he has to eat it because he spent so much money on it. <laughs> it's a pity to waste <laughs> hot chili. <laughs> okay, do you have any idea? Any uh, any comment on this story? <laughs> Don't keep shaking your head. <laughs> it's become a habit. <laughs> it's always like this. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah. Full rushing where the wise uh, fear to tread, yeah? Anyway, this guy, he's always in luck of some kind, you know. Nasruddin is a treasure of laughter, you know. <laughs> I like this guy very much. Okay, guys, now you can go to sleep. <laughs> or you want another story? <laughs> I tell you this, okay? This story called The Happiest Man in the World. I remember telling this story some, some, somehow, but it's looked different here. A man who was living in comfortable enough circumstances 
went one day to see a certain sage, reputed to have all knowledge. So this man said to the sage, Great sage, I have no material problems, and yet I am always unsettled. For years I have tried to be happy, to find an answer to my inner thoughts, to come to terms with the world. Please advise me as to how I can be cured of his of these maladies. The sage answered, My friend, what is hidden to some is apparent to others. Again, what is apparent to some is hidden to others. I have the answer to your ailment, though it is no ordinary medication. You must set out on your travels, seeking the happiest man in the world. As soon as you find him, you must ask him for his shirt and put it on yourself. The seeker thereupon restlessly started looking for happy men. One after another, he found them and questioned them again and again. They said, Yes, I am happy, but there is one happier than me. After traveling through one country after another for many, many days, he found the wood in which everyone said, Live the happiest man in the world. He heard the sound of laughter coming from among the trees. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he quickened his step until he came upon a man sitting in a glade. He asked him, Are you the happiest man in the world, as people have told me? The man said, Yes, certainly I am. So the man continued, the traveler continued, My name is so and so. My condition is such and such, and my remedy, ordered by the greatest sage, is to wear your shirt. Please give it to me. I will give you anything I have in exchange. The happiest man looked at at him closely. He laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. And when he had finished laughing, quiet down a little, Then the restless man, rather annoyed at this reaction, said to the happiest man, Are you unhing that you laugh at such a serious request? Said the happiest man, Perhaps, but if you had only taken the trouble to look, you would have seen that I do not possess a shirt. (laughs) (laughs) So the traveler said, in a balance <laughs> So what am I to do now? I travel all this way for a shirt, and you say you don't have a shirt. <laughs> you should have called and asked first, no? <laughs> should have emailed him and asked <laughs> before he come, no? So the, you know, no shirt man, tell him. <laughs> you will now be cured. Striving for something unattainable provides the exercise to achieve that which is needed. As when a man gathers all his strength to jump across a stream, 
if it were far wider than it is, he gets across the stream. And it's so philosophical to me. Too, so, too philosophical. The happiest man in the world then took off the turban, whose end had concealed his face. The restless man saw that he was none other than the great sage who had originally advised him to seek for the happiest man. Oh, he was very puzzled and asked, But why did you not tell me all this years ago when I came to see you in the first place? The sage told him, Because you were not ready to understand then. You needed certain experiences, and they had to be given to you in a manner which would ensure that you went through them. <laughs> okay, got the lesson, yeah? Yeah, maybe sometimes we look for things that is right in front of our nose. <laughs> the sage, who's supposed to be the happiest man on earth, he has no shirt anyway. <laughs> And maybe that's why he's happy. <laughs> But in the beginning, if if the uh, the restless man were to be told like that, he probably wouldn't listen. Eh? So after traveling far and wide and couldn't even find it, yeah, then probably his mind is already tired enough to listen to some sense. Yeah, that's why. That's what I think. Ah, this book uh, have many nice story. Okay. I let you go rest, okay? Mm. Meditate, all right? Thank you and <laughs> at least we have some good love as Nasruddin, eh? <laughs> That guy he always offers some laughter. I think I have told a lot of his story and his uh, pleasantries before in Meoli. You don't buy because it's Chinese. Okay then. My beloved new moon. <laughs> Please sit and meditate. I will meditate over there. Okay? Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.